Pain Concern won first prize in the 2009 NAP Awards in Chronic Pain, which has enabled it to make this series of programs with additional funding from the Big Lottery Fund's Awards for All program and the Voluntary Action Fund Community Chest. Hello and welcome to Airing Pain, the programme brought to you by Pain Concern, a UK charity that provides information and support for those of us living with pain. Pain Concern was awarded first prize in the 2009 NAP Awards in Chronic Pain and with additional funding from the Big Lottery Fund's Awards for All programme and the Voluntary Action Fund Community Chest, this has enabled us to make these programmes. Pain in older adults has been an unrecognised problem. Uh, We know that the number of people who have pain gets greater the older the age group you get, but it seems to get less in the very old age groups, and we're not sure whether that is because people stop reporting it because they think pain is a normal part of life and therefore just take it for granted. We've got an ageing population, so we're all getting older. By 2020, we anticipate huge numbers of older people. And also in that group, it's been suggested that often pain is is not recognised and in the worst case scenario neglected because I think people assume it's part of getting older so I have to live with it. And that's the kind of question that we're wanting to answer because there's no reason that pain should be a normal part of life. It is at least as important if not more important in older adults where the effects are potentially more significant. Earlier this year at the Royal Pharmaceutical Society in Edinburgh, KT Equal, that's a group of UK researchers dedicated to extending quality life for older and disabled people, hosted an event focusing on growing older with pain through innovation, creativity and development. I'm Paul Evans and in this edition of Airing Pain I'll be giving you a flavour of some of the issues raised. Now, the focus of the evening was a question and answer session with a distinguished panel of experts. They were Dr Beverly Collett, who's head of the Chronic Pain Coalition and consultant in pain management at Nuffield Health Leicester Hospital. Professor Dennis Martin, who's director of the Centre for Rehabilitation Sciences at Teesside University. Professor Peter Passmore, and he's Professor of Ageing and Geriatric Medicine at Queen's University Belfast. Dr Pat Schofield, and she's Director of the Centre for Advanced Studies in Nursing and Centre of Academic Primary Care at the University of Aberdeen. And finally, there was Dr Kevin Voles, who's Consultant Clinical Psychologist at Keele University. The event was chaired by the journalist, campaigner and former MSP, Dorothy Grace Elder. Katie Green of Arthritis Care in Scotland Her question, she says, in a recent survey by Arthritis Care, more than half, 52%, of the respondents aged over 65 stated that they'd often or occasionally experienced depression as a result of their arthritis pain. Is the panel aware of other evidence about the psychological impact of pain and how pain management interventions can address this? We all know depression is very prevalent when life starts to get lower, right? And, or when quality of life starts to get lower, we all know that. The good treatments that are out there, the effective treatments that are out there uh, offer a combined approach that get people back on track. And I think that's just as applicable to older adults who also tend to be more depressed because of, for other reasons, of course there's a lot of depression and, and it's very treatable. Dennis, do you want to comment? Yeah, I think you could probably even expand out the, the context of the question mm-hmm. that it's not just psychological and there's psychosocial as well. Social isolation, you know, is a big thing for older people with chronic pain. And that's something that can be addressed. 
in pain management. In the mind, yes. Common causes of pain in the older population are things like osteoarthritis and osteoporosis and then the, the associated problems such as falls and injuries and so on. So they're left with ongoing problems, i.e. chronic pain. That's panel member Pat Schofield speaking prior to this event. She's director of the Centres for Advanced Studies in Nursing and of Academic Primary Care at Aberdeen University. Now, her field of expertise is particularly relevant to the next question. Jeanette Barry from X Quality Improvement Scotland, who's done some marvellous reports, helped compile these and push them forward. My concern really is for patients or residents of care homes. I think Peter mentioned that 50% of care home residents report pain. In some of the papers I read, it says that it's 85%. And yet a quick um, kind of trail of our own care homes um, reported that not many actually did pain assessment routinely, except when it came to the Liverpool Care Pathway stage, which is the last few days of life, which is extremely sad. A lot of the pain assessment tools that we use for measuring pain in the general population are not necessarily appropriate for the older population because they have difficulty in understanding the questions that we're asking. And then you add in things like confusion and so on, which which makes it a little bit more complex. The first priority really is to actually talk to the family who live with that particular person because they can observe any changes in behaviour that could be attributed to pain. Similarly, I think if you're talking about nursing home populations, the staff who work in those settings know the residents very well and also know if there are any changes in behaviour. Pain assessment is not widely used in care home settings. It's not seen as one of their major priorities, I think. They have so many other things to deal with and I think what we really need to do is to get those guidelines readily accepted in all care settings, including nursing homes. They can help. On to the next question. Uh, From Ron Marsh, user member EOPIC. Uh, University of Aberdeen. What's EOPIC again? EOPIC is EPIC. EPIC stands for Engaging People in Self-Management of Chronic Pain. Because I'm in it, I'm older, so I have to have an old Now, before we get on to Ron's question, let's find out a little more about EPIC from Blair Smith. He's a GP and Professor of Primary Care Medicine at the University of Aberdeen. EPIC is a study funded through the Lifelong Health and Wellbeing Initiative by the Research Councils, mainly the Medical Research Council, and its aim is to identify and begin to test self-management strategies for chronic pain experienced by older adults. I think the important point about chronic pain, just like many other health questions that a lot of research has been done, not specifically in older adults, and in fact a lot of research actually excludes older adults and people with other, other illnesses. So one of the important things if you're looking at drug trials, for example, is that almost every drug trial has excluded older adults, and yet many conditions and many most of the patients that come in to me 
in the surgery are older adults and therefore the evidence to support their treatment is not great. Now that's just true of when we're looking at the experience of chronic pain. Before we can identify and evaluate self-management strategies, we need to understand what the experience of chronic pain is and how people are managing it themselves already. We know a little bit about that in younger adults, but the research in older adults has not been done and not been done thoroughly, so we're looking at that just now. So we have a very active and enthusiastic and valuable group of service users, older adults who have experienced chronic pain themselves. They've arisen historically at Aberdeen and through my colleague Pat Schofield. We've worked with older adults for a considerable time and have a very active users group who've helped us to shape the research, to tell us what the research questions are and to uh, help us to identify what approaches to answering these questions might and might not be feasible. So then when we came to design this particular study, we had a smaller group of those who inputted into designing the protocol right from the beginning and continued to serve on the research team with regular meetings and input and reviews of materials. And uh, we couldn't do it without them. Hi, I'm Ron Marsh. I'm a patient that has... uh pain through diabetes and uh, low back pain. We have a very wide remit. We can comment on any aspect of the study and we're welcomed in doing that. You know, it's not a case of them and us at all. We're just a group of lay people, medical researchers, medical people. Can you give me an example of, of how you've helped or what input you've had into their work? I think we've been able to give direct evidence of what it is like for an older person living with pain. Explain to me, as somebody who feels he's very old, (laughs) mid-50s, what I can look forward to as a person in pain when I'm a little bit older. I have taken the view that the pain is just something that comes with old age. But listening to discussions like this tonight, I shouldn't really be expecting pain. You shouldn't lie down and just just, just just accept accept it. it. Correct. Now, your question is, when will old age without pain arrive? If I can comment, I think it's back to this sort of acceptance of uh, pain as as part of your, you know, well, it's just going to happen to you. And, I mean, I don't, don't for one minute believe that. I suppose where I work from is... It depends on how far you go in terms of the root cause. So I will chase that. You know, the worry for me is if people don't deal with the acute pain, the acute pain becomes chronic, which just becomes an entity in itself. So what, what does it matter? It's not at that stage relevant what the root cause was. You're just in a chronic pain with, uh, you know, physiology, the way it develops. So, I mean, in that situation, I think you're into psychology, explaining about the situation and what we can do in terms of alleviation you know, but my comment to people is if they're in that situation, you know, I'll, I may not get rid of all of this for you, but, you know, to make it bearable. But, but I, to go back to your question, I think that, you know, the question is if people are in pain, there is a simple why. And we do have a lot of investigational techniques. I think the, for us the question is when is it appropriate, when is it not appropriate, i.e. you're into that, you know, a sort of a cost-effectiveness argument. And you're also putting the patient through a lot. You know, maybe with some of these tests. And that would be the comment I would make, you know. Ron, I think a direct answer to your question, when will there be a cure for pain? I wouldn't put any money on it in the near future. (laughs) Um, But I think what Kevin talked about, that 
is as important the effects of pain. I think in terms of older people, there's certainly more research coming out now and focused directly on that. The research we're doing with EOPIC and the SMART project that uh, Chris is involved in, you know, is focused on older people. So in X number of years, in the near future, there should be more knowledge coming out. Closer to this time, I think perhaps what's needed is better education of health professionals so you're getting a more intelligent and thoughtful mm -hmm. application of what we already know for younger groups to apply that for older people. There is um, some good existing knowledge which I think could be applied with some effort and thought. Can I just add a, add a point there that I, I think that the, um, you know, that hoary old fact that, that veterinary students get taught twice as much pain in terms of their training at uh, veterinary school than medical students do, I don't know how aptly that applies <coughs> now. And the second point would be is that my experience as a, a lead in acute pain management the trust where I work is that the junior staff and the middle staff don't know anything about pain management. And one of the problems is, is that we set ourselves up in acute pain teams and critical care liaison teams and other specialist groups and partly through their lack of training, their lack of time on the wards, is that the fact is that they don't know how to do basic care and somehow a return to managing that of giving them a bit more responsibility, but I'm, I'm not entirely sure how you would do that because they, they just don't have the skills. And I think it's, uh, we really need to reflect on how we're going to get junior doctors to be better trained so they can do basic stuff and they just well, can't. Well, I, I couldn't agree. It's interesting because I did mention this and, um, you know, for such a chronic problem, there are certain things never taught in medical school, like management of constipation, like management of pr pr vascular, uh, or you know, or varicose ulcers. But you know, even over and above that is pain. You know, we have the fourth years and we send them out, and our simple sort of way of doing this is they survey a group of drugs, but we always make sure the analgesics are in there. The people who get the constipation ones feel they've drawn the short straw. But we, we try to indicate it as a problem and the difficulties with the drugs that are used. But I, I, I don't know. I think one ought to be able to impact on the GMC. You know, when you think about the prevalence, etc., and we've heard about this, that really to look in depth at the undergraduate curriculum and see that simple things like this are being overlooked. Because if you look at what's prescribed in the wards, and we published extensively on this, 60% of our drugs in the hospital are analgesics in the geriatric wards. It's more even than in the nursing homes. But if that is the case, how can you not train people about that? Professor Peter Passmore. He's Professor of Ageing and Geriatric Medicine at Queen's University, Belfast. Now, before we continue, please bear in mind that whilst we believe the information and opinions on airing pain are accurate based on the best judgments available, you should always consult your health professional on any matter relating to your health and well-being. He or she is the only person who knows you and your circumstances and therefore the appropriate action to take on your behalf. You're listening to Airing Pain with me, Paul Evans, and we're at the KT Equal Growing Older with Pain Innovation, Creativity and Development event at the Royal Pharmaceutical Society in Edinburgh. My name's Michael Morrison. This is my wife, Rosemary. Um, we are involved heavily with the Pain Association Scotland with the support group up in Grampian region. I hurt my back originally uh, playing cricket and for 10 years I was diagnosed wrongly. I was being treated for sacroiliac problems 
But what had happened was I had three burst discs in the base of my spine. So during that 10 years, 81 to 91, I was on just painkillers. I always felt that, right, another week will go by and I'll be okay. And then in 1991, I became immobile. I just couldn't walk. I couldn't put one foot, foot on the floor. I was in a wheelchair for 12 years. And two and a half years ago, uh, a friend of my son, who's a surgeon at Woodend Hospital, uh, my son said to him, my dad's come to see you. I do a good job. <laughs> so he called me and he explained all what had gone wrong. So he said, uh, another operation might sort things out for you. So uh, I eventually got the call. I went to the hospital, had the operation. I had all the discs in my lower spine fused and all the scarring tissue that had been in there cut away and dispensed with. And when I came through from the recovery room, I was in, in awe because I had no leg pain, no foot pain, nothing. I thought, well, maybe it's just the effect of the, of the anaesthetic. But no, that lasted, and it's lasted now. I'm out of my wheelchair. I don't use a wheelchair anymore. Tell me how important Rosemary was. Oh, I, I don't know what I would have done without her. Uh, she'd been a rock as far as I was concerned because she wouldn't let me get so low. She used to pull me up by the throat and say, right, you're not getting into that situation. And she was the one that pushed me and pushed me and pushed me because I would have probably fallen the first hurdle and said, well, that's my lot. End of story. I wouldn't but, let you. I wouldn't let you. But <laughs> she wouldn't have let me know. So well, she was very, very supportive. Well, we've been married what, forty years this 40 year, and um, I mean, it was very, very bad. You know, I couldn't walk. And I was, I was lifting him, and <laughs> how I did it, I don't know. But you do it. You find mm. the strength, you know. And I just said to him, "You are not going into depression with this." I said, you may think your life's over. I said, but it's not. And I said, mine certainly isn't. You know, I was being, well, I've probably been rotten to him, but it was the only way I could get through to him, you know, because he was going into himself. Once I'd been through all the various departments at hospital, the surgeon at that time said to me there was absolutely nothing else he could suggest, apart from I could go on a residential uh, pain management programme. So I was one of the ones that was sent from Scotland to Manchester for three weeks. And while I was there, I got really good advice. And it was at that time I felt something needed to be put back into the community. And that was when our connection with Pain Association Scotland started. So tell me about Pain Association Scotland and, and what you do with it. We have two meetings every month, the first and third Wednesday every month. During our meetings, we have normally a session of light exercise, progressive. We have also a session on pain management techniques that people can use for handling their pain, not curing it or whatever, but actually being able to manage the pain and do the things they want to do without having the uh, stigma the days after. 
And then we finish off with a session of relaxation. And I think that's the best part. Yeah. I think that's what everybody comes for. I mean, when we're doing the, the exercise, which is very light, they all go, oh, they groan, you know. But they do it. It's good to see them. I mean, they know that we can't cure them because we tell them that right from the start. But we've got a good group. They all they support all... each other. Yes, yes, they do. It's, it's mm. amazing. But you, Rosemary, must be a very valuable part of the group because you, you're not living with pain, but you've pulled somebody who was living with pain through it. Yes, I think because of the way Michael had been and because I became stronger. I mean, Michael always looked after me, always, and still does. But at that time, he needed me. So it was my turn to help him. Some of the group sometimes like to speak to me and sometimes they like to speak to Michael. It just depends. So they also, some of them will phone us. We'll say to them, well, you can phone us at home if you're having a rough time. Phone us. When you went down to Manchester for the pain management clinic, Mm -hmm. how far did you have to travel? Maybe about 400 miles each way. Well, that's easy if you're in pain. No. <laughs> I was in a wheelchair at that time. <coughs> I was really struggling. Um, I wasn't allowed to go down, you see. He had to go down himself. Certainly, uh, I was flown down. Oh. The health board paid for the whole session. And I was flown down to Manchester. And then I was picked up at the airport. And Rosemary didn't want to let me go on the plane from so, Aberdeen. But before they would take you onto the thing, you had to walk for... Oh, I had 200 yards. 200 yards, and they said, if you can do that, then we'll take you on the... Yeah, I wasn't accepted initially, because my health was so poor. Yeah. So they said to me, they gave me certain uh, criteria, and uh, they said, if you meet that, we'll take you on the programme. And I battled, or we battled, to get me in a situation to go down for that course. And he was there for three weeks, and it was very, very basic. Oh, basic. And... Oh, yeah. I could, you had to do everything for yourself. Yes. You had to make your bed, you had to prepare your breakfast, your lunch, your dinner. You know, all within the confines of a hospital ward at Salford. Yeah. But uh, the way that the programme went about, they took a video of how you dealt with certain aspects within a house situation. And then at the end of the course, they also videoed the same thing again. And for me, the difference was enormous. Um, I didn't think I was as bad as I was when I saw the first. But the second video was just chalk and cheese. It was really such a difference. Has the benefit stayed with you? Absolutely. Yes. Why did you have to do an 800-mile round trip? There was nothing else in Scotland. I had two options. One was to go to Manchester and the other one was to London. Mind you, I said no to start with. Yeah, you did. I wasn't prepared to go put myself through that. She kept at me and said, don't give up. You try it. It'll maybe do you good. And it did. (laughs) Michael and Rosemary Morrison. You're listening to Airing Pain with me, Paul Evans, and we're eavesdropping at the Royal Pharmaceutical Society in Edinburgh, where Dorothy Grace Elder's chairing the KT Equal Question Time event on growing older with pain, innovation, creativity and development. A lot of elderly people are told by their doctor that pain is an inevitable part of ageing, something you just have to put up with. 
What does the panel think? Is it inevitable? You know what if you've led a perfect life, you've never smoked, never drank, you're dying of boredom, but nevertheless. Uh, <laughs> what, what if you're in, basically should be in very good condition, but you're very old? Uh, well, is it inevitable that you should suffer pain? I think the disability and the suffering associated with it isn't inevitable. It's manageable and... Um, shouldn't uh, no, it's it, it's not inevitable. The suffering and the disability associated with it, things can be done. It's not inevitable. I, I think prevalence has been converted into inevitability. That, 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 when you think about it, everybody complains about it. So you know, it's just. A, but but that's a prevalence statistic. It is a real thing. So prevalence, I think people are now translating into inevitability, and that's not right. I, th I think certainly as time goes on, you ask the question about uh, what you can expect in older age for pain. A, I think you'll find challenges. You'll be challenged probably to the full because between pain in a younger person and pain in an older person, the pain almost is exactly the same. It's how you'd handle it that is completely different. Uh, and I think that's really the, the, the way to look at it. You're certainly going to have the challenges. But hopefully, through the group that we are involved with, we'll be able to provide you with the tools to meet that challenge. Can you just give me a checklist of the tools that you can use? The tools that, that we're looking at, A, taking the pain association programme uh, through the likes of exercise initially, then some pain management and then relaxation. But what we'd be looking at is probably using IT to the best and have people say, Involved, right? We will join the pain association Scotland, for example, five pound a year or whatever. For that membership, you'll be able to log on to the website, pain association Scotland website. Then you'll have a number of medical questions asked, very basic medical questions, to calculate what you would be capable of. Uh, it was also said they're using the we, but the we program type benefits from using IT and I think hopefully over the next two or three years these things are expanding so rapidly that we'll see those I would say probably within the next five years. Okay I, I'm quite excited about this because you obviously know about the Wii, the Nintendo Wii mm -hmm. and I think Sony have brought out something as well now. Now I bought my wife a Wii for Christmas. Mm -hmm. I suffer from fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm. I have avoided it but obviously you with pain and people in your group have found a way of using it. Even the sufferers from fibromyalgia in, in our group have gained benefit from using the Wii because before they came to the group, they were stressed every day and a lot of them were very angry at what was happening because the doctors in the hospital were unable to diagnose or give them any hope for the future. But now the grandchildren's a great thing as well. I'm in your later life having grandchildren who are very involved in computers and IT and these little fiddly phone things. And I think that's a, a beam of light as far as getting old is concerned, uh, having the grandchildren be able to teach you those things. And I think uh, as time goes on, it'll get faster and faster, and everybody hopefully will do it. Back to the exercising side of things, in many instances, the Far East are way ahead of us. They have uh, their elderly coming up to retire over a period of time. They will actually 
get them out doing Tai Chi or, or whatever. Yeah. And it, it may be something that then this country will have to take on board as well. Oh, at Hyde Park, didn't they, um, there's an area converted for older people's exercise now, isn't that right, dedicated to it, isn't that right? So, so, so I think you're right, it's slow to take on board, but you know, seeing the people sort of cavorting around lampposts in Hong Kong, it's a great thing, it's all about the core and all, you know, absolutely, and it will, that in itself will have an effect on pain in old people. And that was Professor Peter Passmore, who was a panellist at the KT Equal event on Growing Older with Pain, Innovation, Creativity and Development at the Royal Pharmaceutical Society in Edinburgh. And he sadly brings to an end not just this edition of Airing Pain, but the series. The programmes were produced by me, Paul Evans, for Pain Concern, the UK charity providing information and support for people who live with pain. Now, whilst the programme takes its summer break, please do keep in touch with us. You'll find all details at our website. That's at painconcern.org.uk. Painconcern, one word, painconcern.org.uk. .uk. And there you'll find a wealth of information about managing your pain, how to contact us, information about our sister magazine, Pain Matters, and how to download or order all editions of Airing Pain. We'll be back in the autumn to look at issues affecting the 7.0 million of us in the UK living with chronic pain. But until then, I'll leave you with a thought for the future from Michael Morrison. Old age, they say, doesn't come alone, but it comes with a wee, a wave. So many grandchildren, etc., <laughs> uh, that you can use to your benefit in later life. As well as the website, you can get in contact with Pain Concern via their email, info at painconcern.org.uk, or write to them at Pain Concern, 1 Civic Square, Trinant, EH33 1LH.